Radical Transformation, How to Achieve Physical, Mental, and Emotional Well-Being with Hallie Brooke. Are you looking for a real transformation, one that will positively impact your physical, mental, and emotional well-being? Well, meet Hallie Brooke, a live-nourished coach who specializes in helping people find acceptance in their current circumstances. Hear about how functional medicine, the future of healthcare, why it's so hard for leaders and executives to prioritize their well-being, and how gut health is linked to mental health. In this video, we're going to discover the true meaning of nourishment with Hallie Brooke to find out what it takes to nourish you. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show. I'm so pleased that you're here with us today. Be sure to visit our YouTube channel to subscribe and get future notifications. And if you're here with us on the live, engage with us and comment on any, the, any of the content that you hear today. And we're happy to respond while we're live. And if you happen to be watching the replay, which many of you will, please leave the comments if you have any questions. Let us know what you're enjoying, what tidbits you're getting from the show, and we'll be sure to respond. And you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three-times-a-week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Let me introduce our beautiful guest we have today, Hallie Brooke. She's a powerful leader in the wellness industry determined to help women everywhere achieve their healthiest and strongest selves. As the founder and CEO of Live Nourished Coaching, she brings a wealth of knowledge, experience, and energy to her clients. Certified as a functional medicine nutrition counselor and nationally board-certified health and wellness coach, Hallie has devoted her life to helping people transform their lives through evidence-based nutrition, protocols, and holistic lifestyle coaching. 
As a Fox 21 fitness and nutrition expert and an international speaker on topics ranging from gut issues, chronic fatigue, brain fog, pre-diabetes, and type 2 diabetes to relationships and self-care. Hallie is passionate about inspiring confidence in others so they can lead more vibrant lives. Please help me welcome the beautiful Hallie Brooke. Hello. It is so wonderful to be here, April. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. It's awesome to have you here on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Welcome. Thank you. It's so wonderful to be here. So let our audience know a little background about you. Who is Hallie Brooke? <laughs> oh, man. I love, I actually love that question. Like, who are you instead of what do you do? Because um, so often we answer that question with like, well, this is my job and this is my career. Yeah. Who am I? Great question. Um, I am joyful is my my mode of operation. That's kind of how I roll most of the time. I'm not always joyful. I'm also a human. I am a wild outdoors woman. I uh, whitewater raft. We do, we're heading out on a, a multi-day, 10-day trip later this summer. We've done one um, every summer for the the years previously. I love mountain biking. I love cooking. Um, I'm fun and funny. And I also happen to love nutrition. I think that's who I am. I think that is very apparent. You are super light and energetic and fun. I love how passionate you are about the outdoors. And wouldn't you say that that is such a great aspect of our overall well-being? Yes. Amen. There's actually research studies now. It's called nature soaking. It started in Japan where people go outside and just soak in nature. And it there's biological improvements in mental health and physical health and functionality. So yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Well, why don't we just start talking a little bit about that? Let's let's talk about your experience with that. I mean, have you always been an outdoor person? You know, when did you discover that it truly was making a difference with, with your health? Mm, that's a great question. I really have been an outdoors woman my whole life. I was super blessed to grow up with parents who valued that. My earliest memories are hiking and backpacking. One of my first backpacking trip at age five, we went to, uh, we took the Durango Silverton Railroad into the wilderness. And then we hiked like three miles off the train. I was five. So I had wow. the very important camp shower and uh, like a game and a teddy bear. <laughs> but we did a, you know, a four night backpacking trip at age five. So that was pretty cool. Mm. And then that's just, that's how I was raised. I grew up in Boulder, kind of right at the edge of open space. So I would just go play and my games were like making maps on my bikes and, um, just super blessed to have that. I think the first time I discovered that it was connected to health and healing, man, that's a great question. What's the first time? Um, a time that definitely jumps into my brain was when I was in college in Seattle. We were talking about this a little bit backstage. Seattle is beautiful. It is also insanely rainy. And I'm a Colorado girl where we have 300 days of sunshine. And I just felt trapped, like mm. inside 
didn't want to go outside and my mental health kind of like didn't took a little bit of a dive. And so my parents started flying me back to Colorado once a month just to get some sunshine time. And so I would come back and I would get off the plane and I would immediately, you know, drive to Boulder. I'd go for a run um, in kind of our backyard open space. And I think that's probably the first time that I really connected those dots, that it's Mm -hmm. not just fun, but it, it actually has a dramatic impact. And then I, they'd fly me back to Seattle and I would be able to, to navigate school in the total gray rainy for another 30 days. And then they'd bring me back. <laughs> wow. That's a really excellent way of describing how you figured that out. I mean, excellent <laughs> example, right? And you know, when we go into a different environment where, you know, usually we're used to so much sunshine because that's our daily norm. And then going into an environment where that's not the case and really seeing the impact on how you're feeling. And, you know, I even now when there's just one day and it's really cloudy, I just feel like, gosh, you know, I'm so tired. I feel like I just want to watch a movie and do nothing at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I thought I loved rainy days because of that, because we never have them. So when we have a rainy day in Colorado, it's like a snuggle in movie day, but turns out when it's like that all all the time, time, it's a very different game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, that's a, that's a really good tip. I don't know, maybe somebody listening, but I feel just like I need to say it, but if you happen to be struggling with anything in life, open up your curtains it makes such a big difference. Like if, if you can't find yourself going outside or pushing yourself that far, at least just get that natural light. And I think we just Mm -hmm. talked about that a little bit backstage and you're like, I have this incredible corner space office where I have natural light surrounding me until a cloud runs through, but (laughs) you know, it, it really has a big impact. So that was a really good, um, first off and hitting this, segment of the show off running with one aspect of well-being. Tell me a little bit about how you started learning about nutrition and what got you excited. Is that what you went to school for initially? (laughs) Definitely not what I went to school for initially. So I graduated from college with a political science major, super random. I basically went to college to learn how to learn. And at the school I went to, political science was more closely related with philosophy. And it was the only subject that I just didn't understand. And we had world-class professors at the school that I went to. And so I just like just kept taking classes. And eventually my my advisor went, well, you should major in this. So that was my major. Totally useless, except that I learned how to learn. Um, mm. Thought I was going to go to med school. So have kind of always been interested in the human body and how it functions in biology, but did a two-year stint with Teach for America in between college and what I thought would be med school. And that two-year stint turned into nine years of teaching math kind of in the inner city in Title I schools. And I loved it. It was the hardest job I have ever had. I, I am so in the corner of teachers. Um, it was one of the more <laughs> rewarding jobs I've ever had. I think the job I have now is the most rewarding I've ever had, but it was teaching was on the top and it was, it was the most stressed I have ever been in my entire life. And so, um, mm. you know, I'm, I'm teaching, I'm making a difference, I'm having an impact and I am just getting sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. I ended up in 2015, um, getting diagnosed with IBS, which fast forward a little bit in my 
my nutrition world, I did an internship with a gastroenterologist and asked her, what is IBS? And she goes, oh, that's what we diagnose people who have gut issues with when we don't know what's actually wrong with them and we don't have a drug to fix it. And I went, Mm. great. That makes so much sense. So I got diagnosed (laughs) with IBS in 2015 and I was so sick. My arms would go numb at random intervals. I had Mm. rashes. I had dark circles under my eyes. I had no relation to how much I was sleeping. My skin was gray. I look back at pictures from that time and I'm still like, huh, it makes me want to (laughs) cry because I just love that girl so much. Um, Mm -hmm. That girl from 2015, she's so beautiful and she was just doing the absolute best that she could to survive and she was so sick. And so about a year into being unbelievably sick and really pretty much surviving off of romaine lettuce and chicken that had nothing on it. Um, And, you know, being told by multiple doctors that, you know, we don't know what's wrong and this is just kind of how your body's going to function, sort of stumbled into functional medicine looking for answers because I was going, this this cannot be the answer. Like, I I can't survive like this for another month, let alone another 30 years. Mm. Um, And so stumbled into functional medicine, started learning about gut health, started learning about nutrition. dug deeper into kind of like the healing aspects of, of my faith and, um, ended up getting totally healed. And so now not only am I not sick, but I can also eat all the things that I couldn't eat then. And, um, but yeah, getting sick, getting sick was what pushed me over the edge into, I got to figure this out. I think it does for many of us. Um, I just heard a speaker today and she said, uh, divorce, death, and disease, the three Ds. So those are definitely things that kind of push us over into rethinking and restructuring our lives. And um, you brought some emotion to me, absolutely, (laughs) Hallie, through your story, because I, I sense that I relate. I love that you took yourself back to look at that picture of Mm -hmm. that past self and pouring so much love into that person, because they just, they're struggling and they're in so much pain and they don't know what to do. And, and yet they did the best that they could. I think that's really a cool perspective that you presented Mm -hmm. because maybe a lot of us should be doing that. Right. And when we think of our past selves and what we've gone through and starting there and, and now we're here and we want to go somewhere else, you know, but I too struggled with many doctors told me, we don't know how to fix you. We don't know what's wrong. You know, even being diagnosed with lupus, all of the things that showed up and skin issues, you know, you talked about the rashes and, you know, going through so much of that at numerous points in my life and me too, having to search for, okay, well, what is out there? If you can't help me, And I certainly don't want to take these loads of medications, which have an effect, which have an effect, which have an effect. Mm -hmm. Uh, What what do I do? And so the research begins, right? The the learning of what makes us and, you know, what makes our bodies tick or do what they do. And I think I like to say my disease is my superpower Mm -hmm. because it shows up like you know, I eat something or I do something and my body lets me know that that is not okay. It does not yep. like that. And so it's kind of a superpower, right? Whereas in other people, it might show up 10 years down the road in the form of cancer. Mine's yep. a little more immediate impact or, you know, just within a six month period time. A lot of it's tied to emotion. Yep. 
Yep, exactly. I couldn't have said that better. It it tunes you into what's happening in your body in a way that when we're not sick, we don't we don't pay attention to. Yeah, absolutely. So, what was next for you? And we're going to go into a first commercial and we'll go into that. What was next for you? Stay tuned. Hello everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be, but we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while. We invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Hi, I'm April Hove, the Managing Director of the Fort Worth, Texas chapter of eWomen Network. I'm so excited that you stopped to watch this video. I've got good news for you. You have just discovered an international network of women entrepreneurs who are committed to helping you achieve, succeed, and prosper. We are on a mission to help 1 million women entrepreneurs each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. Here at eWomen Network, we have a complete success system that supports you every step of the way in building and growing your business. You being here right now is no accident. We're supposed to know about you. We want to meet you to find out how we can help you as well as learn about what you have to offer. With over 500,000 women connecting through 118 chapters across the U.S., Canada, Australia, and the U.K., you are never alone. If this is resonating with you, please go to eWomenNetwork.com slash Fort Worth. Notice, too, my contact information. I invite you to reach out to me and check out our upcoming in-person and online events. I am really looking forward to introducing you to our community. So welcome back. And we've talked a little bit about the when we have these really big life circumstances and disease shows up and we don't know what to do, who to turn to when we're not getting answers from people who we feel we should be getting some sort of answer for. What did you do next in that case? Oh, man. So next I dove into research. Um, this was almost a decade ago now, and you know, IBS and gut health were were not common terms. And mm-hmm. so, you know, googling like leaky gut came up with all of this, you know, weird stuff and buy the supplement and like not reliable, reputable sources. But there was some information on, um, you know, foods that can cause dysbiosis and what is dysbiosis. And so, I started diving into information on microbiome and gut health and. Um, learned a ton about how 
with gut health, sometimes the good foods, the healthy foods can actually make stuff worse. And I, I experienced that. I would eat broccoli mm. and cauliflower and feel so sick. Mm. And I would eat pasta and pizza and feel fine. I was like, this doesn't make any sense with anything that I know. <laughs> um, but it, it gave me this guide to learn about, you know, gut permeability and the fact that our our large intestine is one cell thick. And so when we get holes in it, all of these things happen and it matched my whole list of symptoms and um, figuring out, you know, like how to increase that mucosal lining. So I just, I dove into research. I'm a nerd anyway. Um, my mom was a librarian, so she did an excellent job teaching me how to go find reputable sources and, you know, double check the biography and the bibliography and find stuff in NCBI and not just on Wikipedia. And yeah. so I kind of put together a protocol for myself and it started to work, but it wasn't working fast. And then I started to notice that there was some sort of spiritual connection for me as well. We were mm -hmm. driving up to meet some friends in Steamboat and I had been doing okay, like not great, but I hadn't been super sick. And as we're driving up to Steamboat, I'm just getting like sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. And nothing that I had done would trigger that. And so something in me just went, man, I feel like there's some sort of a spiritual component about this. Like when I'm going to do fun or be with people, like something else is coming against me. And so um, I am I am a believer in Jesus. I have a lot of clients who aren't. So that is not a barrier to me. But for me personally, I had been working with a naturopath and I'd worked with her a couple of times. And then I just kind of got this like check in my spirit that this was not someone that I was supposed to go back to. And so mm -hmm. I have, I call them the old prayer ladies. They would be horrified that I call them that, but they're all <laughs> in their 70s and they pray for people. So the old <laughs> prayer ladies. Um, and so I texted one of them and I just said, Hey, you know, I'm trying to figure out what to do. I am so sick. This feels this close to my face. I can't, I can't figure out what to do next. You know, this is the only person who I've gotten any kind of relief with, but I feel like I'm not supposed to go back. Can you just kind of ask God and, and give me a yes or no? And she got back to me immediately. She goes, I've got a no too. I wouldn't come back, but we have a prayer appointment on Monday, which never happens. They always book out like months in advance. Um, so she's like, we've got a prayer appointment on Monday. Why don't you come in? I was like, done, sold. So yeah. got through that weekend, super sick. I didn't get to play or snowmobile or sled with anyone. Like I was just upstairs making the worst farts you've ever smelled in your life. Like, <laughs> I mean, they truly, it wasn't just like, oh, that's stinky. It's like, oh, something died inside of me. <laughs> it was absolutely atrocious. Um, like so tired, so sick. So came down, went to that prayer appointment on Monday and, um, one of my favorite things about my old prayer ladies is just their ability to read your mail. So they, you know, they know very little about me. And so I'm sitting in that prayer appointment and she looks at me and goes, um, did you break up with someone when you were about 18? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> first ever boyfriend in my life. I thought I was in love with him. I thought I was going to marry him, like completely broke my heart, crushed me horrible. She goes, you gave a piece of your identity away in that and oh. let something in that's now like you know, causing damage inside your body. And so we're just going to ask that to leave. And in that moment, I'm like, okay, I believe in God. Like I believe in weird spiritual stuff, but this is beyond me. She's like, is that cool? Can we just ask it to leave? She's like, yeah, sure. So I was like, okay, in the name of Jesus, we ask blah, blah, blah to leave. And I physically felt something go bloop, 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 and out of my abdomen. Wow. And in that moment, I was about, I was like 15 days into kind of a 40 day um, gut healing protocol that I was doing. And in that moment, I felt God say, you're healed. You are no longer allergic to gluten. You are no longer allergic to dairy. Like it is finished. And it was like, no wow. kidding. 
I was done. Like I was fixed. And so it's this combination of nutrition and all these things that I was doing, but then also this other layer of identity and giving away a piece of myself to this guy that I dated in high school. Um, all of those pieces came together. And that was probably the moment for me where I went, oh, like mind, body, spirit, that's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, it 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 is, isn't it? And the power up. of prayer, they have measured it now. I mean, there's no reason to not believe in the power of prayer and that miracles happen because it's it's proven now. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously with testimonies such as yourself. And how cool is that? <laughs> so you really are able to integrate this into your coaching services. So that's a beautiful thing. Not everybody does that, right? You know, they're mm -hmm. either, they're just, they stick in one bucket or one niche, whereas it takes a little bit more, kind of like the wellness driven life show. I like to say that wellness is under this huge umbrella. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's having a balance in all of these different things. And one of my favorite terms I came up with, you might appreciate this, Holly, is to sip life slowly. And that is the Ooh. spiritual, intellectual, and physical aspects, which is mind, body, spirit, it just said differently. Yep. Um, but, you know, yeah. And just slowing down and really going into and listening and so cool. The old <laughs> prayer ladies, is that what you call them? That's, yeah, my old prayer ladies. That's yep. cool. It's pretty fun. Wow. Um, so, that's so exciting. I don't even know where to go from here. So have you experienced like that was a really powerful, miraculous experience that you had. Have you experienced anything with your own clients that has been a dramatic change for them like that? Do you have examples? Ooh, that's a great question. I do. So I can, I can give you like physical examples, but I'm going to give you a spiritual example because that's where we're at. So I had a client, super sweet woman, um, who had been dieting since she was 17 and she was like 54 when she came to us. So a long time and a lot of diets, um, really struggled with weight loss, struggled with all of these things and was absolutely glued to the scale. We, we teach our clients to, when we're dealing with weight loss, we track with measurements, we track with pictures, we track with body fat percentage, we track with everything other than the scale. Um, cause the scale is the worst indicator of anything. Um, if you want to, if you want to weigh a package, put it on a scale. Anything else is is not helpful. And she was just glued to the scale. Like she could not get off the scale. The scale wasn't moving. She was losing inches around her waist, but the scale wasn't moving. That was the only number she cared about. And so this is not something that is that we typically do at Live Nourish Coaching. I'll just kind of like put an asterisk by that. Um, <laughs> but but I just I just kind of had this gut hunch. I was like, would you want to do a little bit of inner healing around the scale and just kind of go in and figure out where this is coming from. Like this feels mm. deeper than anything else. Yeah. And she's, she's like, yeah, actually that would be really good. So we did some inner healing, which we do with like visualization and prayer and all of that. And in her visual visualization, she had, she had this memory of her dad saying to her, you know, um, I think, I think she asked if, if she looked pretty or something and her dad, instead of responding said, well, the scale tells the tale. That's her memory of it. Oh. Um, and that just ingrained in her from a super young age that that's the only thing that matters, whether you're beautiful on the outside, whether you're beautiful on the inside, all irrelevant is the scale that tells the tale. And so we asked her to kind of go back to that memory in her mind to look around and find God, the God of her understanding, what made sense to her and to ask what God said 
in place of that. And so she has this incredible encounter with the Lord. This story will make me cry too, even though it's not my own. Um, she had this incredible encounter with God where God replaced that lie of the scale tells the tale with the truth of like, you are beautiful and I made you just as you are. And the scale means nothing. And then in that picture, she stepped on the scale and the numbers erased and it just had a heart. Oh my God. I, got I know she hasn't gotten on a scale since. And that was like two years ago. And, and since so then, cool. she's like lost weight and started moving in the right direction because she's not so wrapped around this thing that's actually preventing her from moving forward. So that's a fun one. I love that. And she moved forward and lost weight. Yeah. Like after that experience. <laughs> yep. That's cool. It did give me chills. That, that was, I love that story. <laughs> I mean, um, you can't make this stuff up. Like, no. Yeah. I know. I, that's I, what makes it real for me is like, I couldn't have made that up. Like I couldn't, I couldn't have come up with that on my own. So, well, okay. and it, it pushes you to want to continue doing it because you know, mm -hmm. that truth of, you know, we, we, we can really help people and, and ha look at things different. Use that perspective, you know, like just how you're leading them into this thought and this vision and going within to an experience that you had, you know, the root cause of why we're showing up and having those reoccurring thoughts yep. and, you know, addressing that, going back to that and changing that. It's like, you know, walking through a practice of what are you going to tell your little girl self in that mm -hmm. moment? Because yep. our five-year-old self thinks completely different, cannot rationalize. You know, we just weren't made that way to rationalize the way we do now. And yep. so wouldn't it make sense that we would respond differently now, but that we didn't in that moment, but yet we carry it with us our entire lives? Yep. Well said. Well said. And those unhealed pieces of us are still with us and they affect us every single day. They do. So um, I think a lot of what I grasp out of this is sometimes it's so challenging to be able to get to that root cause moment and find that unless you have old prayer ladies <laughs> yep. or you know somebody that can help lead, guide, coach you into that experience. Somebody who's really wanting to love up on you and show you that you are love and light and that's how you were designed. Mm -hmm. So super cool story. I'm going to go into another commercial. And when we come back, let's start talking about how we don't let our experiences define us Ooh, when we come good back. One. Hello, everyone. I am Kim Jacobs, the host of The Kim Jacobs Show, and you all know who's right here with me, Dr. Les Brown. How are you, Dr. Brown? I'm blessed and highly favored. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the time you want to give yourself a competitive edge. If you got a message, you have some knowledge or experience, a story, or if you want to do something adventurous and exciting with your life that can increase your credibility, expose you to millions of people, I'm encouraging you to have your own talk show. I used to have a talk show. That one talk show catapulted me to another level. Now there are more people watching the internet, as you are aware, than television. Yes. Come on, somebody. That's right. Kim Jacobs, she trained people 
on how to have their own talk show. She will train you how to do that. And now with me working, partnering with her, now you have the combination of an audience, expansive audience. We have over 4 million people in all of our platforms and the coaching you need to grow your business, to grow your multi-level marketing organization, to draw more attention to yourself in this noisy economy. Go ahead, Kim. So in the training that I do, Les, I actually do a six-week training. It's one hour per week. And each week I meet with the individuals one-on-one. We go through and we talk about all of the things that's necessary for a show to become a reality. We go from how to actually identify your focus area, what's going to be your ideal customer that's going to be tuning in. We'll talk about how to get guests, how to get sponsorship, how to go about getting your lighting, your branding, and your banners, and everything that you need to know. And guess what, Les? They own their own content at the end of the day. And that's exciting. Now, if you're ready to, to, to create a shift in your business and in your life and increase your cash flow, I want you to go to KimJacobsConsulting.com. It's right there on the screen. KimJacobsConsulting.com. You know, people say opportunity knocks on every door. No. Opportunity stands by silently waiting for you to recognize it. So I want you to recognize that this is a time for you. This is an incredible time to have your own talk show. It establishes a level of credibility. Yes. And by being exposed to people on a regular basis, it allows you to strategically begin to impact and attract your audience. She can take you in a place in yourself that you can't go by yourself. So go to Kim Jacobs consulting.com. That's Kim Jacobs consulting.com. Did I say Kim Jacobs consulting.com? Yes, you did. Very good. Make sure you go there and sign up for the coaching. And we're looking forward to working with you. You have something special. You have greatness within you. That's my story. And that's Kim's story. And we're sticking to it. Bye for now. All right, Les Brown and Kim Jacobs. And speaking of incredible coaches, Miss Hallie Brooke. So coming back, we talked a little bit about how much emotion is tied into what shows up physically with us. Just like you said, that 18-year-old self where the boyfriend broke your heart, that remained inside of you until you were able to release that. And, you know, just like the woman with the scale and how she identified with that. And until, you know, that's all tied to emotion because she had emotional response reoccurring over and over and over. And so when we think about that, let's jump into, you know, our current selves and how do we, when we have things pop up in life and the, you know, it's not easy, life isn't easy. We're on this journey. So in order to like, not let those reoccurring emotional you know, feedback come through. How do we not let our circumstances define us and also um, just finding acceptance in the circumstances? Oh man, (laughs) finding acceptance in the circumstances. I think if we as humans have a superpower that's available to us, it's that. So Mm. often we spend so much time and so much energy trying to avoid pain, trying to manipulate or change circumstances to be what we want. And when we can just find acceptance, (laughs) you're making me cry on the show. 
more than I maybe ever do. Um, we can figure it out. So I went through a really gnarly divorce. Um, my, I mean, obviously it's a longer story, but the, the long story short is my husband who, um, I thought was the rest of my life. Obviously we were married, just decided that marriage was too hard and he was done. Um, I don't believe in divorce. That's not what I wanted. I fought so hard for this marriage. Um, through our whole separation, I like fought for this marriage. I stood in belief literally until like the day that we were standing in court and the judge said, you know, do you believe that this marriage is irreconcilably broken? And I stood up and said, no, uh, my, my vows were for better or for worse, period. Just because it's been worse, there was no fine print in my vows. Like that's how dug mm. in I was. Mm. And it was destroying me. Um, like suicide had not been something that was part of my life. Like depression and anxiety had not been something that was part of my life. I was a pretty, pretty decently balanced human. And this two year period where he just left, um, left me with a mortgage. We communicated via a Google doc, like blocked me on all contacts, um, blocked my phone. It was, it was, it was awful. It was truly horrible, but my identity was so tied up in being a wife and in being his wife. And I was not going to be okay without him that I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I, I literally couldn't live without him. And one of the things that one of my counselors said to me was, you know, we are going to pray for the best that, that this man chooses to, to turn it around and choose the right thing. But we are going to figure out how to accept the worst, because if mm. you can accept it, you can live with it. And I remember I was like on the floor of my counselor's office, just sobbing, <laughs> I like melted mm. off the couch and I was on the floor. Um, and, and that <laughs> sunk in for me. And I was able to do the work with the help of my counselors and friends to get to this point of like, I am out of control in this situation. He's leaving. I don't want that. I don't believe in mm. that, but I cannot, there is nothing I can do to change the situation. And so I can pray for the best, but I have to accept the worst. And it was in that moment that I was able to accept that like, okay, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And there's nothing I can do about it that I felt the weight of like depression and anxiety and suicide lift off of me. I was still devastated. I was still sad. The next year and a half still, you know, sucked as hard as they can. Um, but I was okay. And it was acceptance that got me to that place. Um, cause we have to, we have to accept we have to accept what we can't control. If we can't control it, yeah. we have to accept it. Even when it's yeah. the worst, ugliest circumstance we can imagine. Uh, well, you're bringing up the emotion of me too. So I guess <laughs> that's just what this uh, show is happening today. That's just the way it is. And sometimes it happens to be that way. Um, and and you're, you're absolutely correct. You know, there's, there's only one thing that we can control and that's how we respond yep. and yep. we can't control things outside. I too, Hallie, that's been one of the most challenging, difficult things to learn throughout my life. It has shown up more times than I like to count embarrassingly enough through boyfriends, through just, you know, people and relationships in my life where I felt I needed to change them or I could be such an example that they would just automatically do things the yeah. way I wanted them to do it, you know, and uh -huh. then my life would be happier and easier um, because of that. And 
you know, or circumstances beyond my control with my children recently. I've shared that with you. You know, my yeah. my children chose to stay in Colorado when we moved to Texas. That was one of the most difficult things. And the fear as a parent of, oh my God, I can't let that happen. We're so far away. Like, and and how out of control I felt. And what what can you do except to accept, okay, this is what it is what now? How, yeah. how do I show up now? And also realizing that we're each on our own path. We're each on our own journey. Whether I was two feet away from them in, in Colorado or not, it doesn't mean that, you know, I can save them. You know, right. anything can happen. And, and that's just the way it's supposed to play out. So we really don't have control over anything other, you know, that's external necessarily you know, especially when it's involving other beings that have the free conscious and free will of their own yep. selves. Yep. Yeah. Well said. I think, I think this is, this is the Halley hypothesis. I don't have research to back it up, but the Halley hypothesis mm -hmm. is that our mental health is directly related to two things. One, the amount of gratitude that we have in our lives and two, the mm -hmm. amount that we can accept what is and release what we can't control. That's uh, it. That makes me think of surrender. Mm -hmm. Surrendering that, that too was another thing I had to learn it, you know, until it finally clicked. Well, not just clicked, but I allowed and I <laughs> surrendered and, you know, it's that, yeah, that allowing piece where you just let be, let God, however you want to say it, however it makes sense, but it is key. And yeah, that mm -hmm. gratitude, when we finally start looking at what is going right, what is right, because there's always something that is right, whether it be the yep. sun is shining <laughs> today, yep. that is something that's right. You know, I'm able to have food and water and a bed to sleep in and maybe a partner, you know, and, yeah. and what a beautiful thing, you know, when we think that the worst is the worst and nothing's ever going to get better until it does. Right. I think you and I, Hallie, both now have exceptional partners. We are now married to, you know, the most incredible human beings, but you wouldn't yeah. understand that at the time until mm -hmm. you surrender. Right. And allow. Yeah. And yep. find gratitude in what there is to, to be gra grateful for. Yep. Yeah. Well said. I, I couldn't have said that better. <laughs> yep. There's a meditation that I love that got me through a lot of that season when my, my first husband left. And it's like a 15-minute meditation, but it, it goes through, um, you know, like you might want more clothes, but right now for this moment, you have enough. You might want more money. But right now for this moment, you have enough. You might want more love, but right now for this moment, you have enough. Mm. And it was it was that one moment at a time because I was, yeah. you know, I was terrified. Like, I'm going to lose the house. <laughs> um, when my husband yeah. left, I was making $1,200 at the gym that I was training at. My rent at the gym was $700 and my mortgage was $1,800. So like you can do the math on that pretty quick <laughs> and realize it was not going to work out. Um, and like, but today... I have a house. Like I'm terrified of a month from now, but right now I'm okay. And then what ended up happening yeah. was one day I was okay. And then the next day I was okay. And then the next day I was okay. And I'm currently sitting in that same house that I absolutely love and was able to keep 
not by my own like white knuckling and figuring it out, but just by one day at a time, one moment at a time, surrendering to like, I would like to have the money to pay my mortgage, but right now I have enough. That is so, so, so powerful. Um, really bringing yourself to the present moment right now. And and yeah, that is awesome. I'm so glad that you brought that up because truly, you know, instead of projecting the fear of the past the and the future, you know, you're, you're projecting all of this what ifs and how, that is not serving you except for mm-hmm. continuing the stress mode over and over, right? And so it's it's making things worse actually. And, you know, it's, it's making our health way, way worse. So if we continue to do that, then inevitably there is going to be some sort of dis-ease showing up within our bodies. And, yep. and what a brilliant way to be able to do that right now. It's free. You, you don't need a meditation. You just think and remember that I, I have enough right now, right mm-hmm. at the second, the world is, the sky isn't falling. Um, we're good. And yep. it doesn't mean that you're not going to, you know, do action steps to make it better for a better predicted future. It doesn't mean that you right. let go of that, but it is a way and a step of calming down along with mm-hmm. maybe doing some breathing exercises. But that I think in and of itself will allow your body to calm down, you know, and, yep. and then your heart rate is going to start lowering and you know, you're going to be able to slow the breathing down. And the heart rate lowering is also proven to be one of those things where, you know, it's lowering the stress mode. hundred percent. And what you just said, it doesn't mean that you're not planning for the future and you're not making good decisions, but it actually helps you make wise decisions. When we're terrified mm-hmm. and panicked, we are operating out of our reptilian fight or flight brain and our prefrontal yep. cortex that makes rational decisions is completely inaccessible and turned off. And so if I'm trying to figure out how to pay my mortgage and I'm panicked, I'm actually probably not going to figure it out. But if I can calm yeah. myself down, like you said, calm my heart rate, realize, yeah, okay, right this moment, I'm sitting in my house and I'm okay. Like right now I'm okay. Then I can actually make a wise decision about what to do next because I can move myself back into the rational thinking part of my brain and, and make a rational decision. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's veer a little bit. Why don't you start (laughs) telling us what is functional medicine? Mm, Cool. One of my favorite things to talk about. Okay. So functional medicine is root cause medicine. So I have two analogies that I like to use. One is a fire alarm. So if you have a fire in your kitchen, I like to put an asterisk that says, I love Western medicine. I really do. It is so important. We need it (laughs) desperately. And it it misses the boat a lot of times. So functional medicine or Western medicine is there's a fire in your kitchen. Western medicine runs in and turns off the fire alarm and goes, great, we're done. Um, But your your kitchen's still on fire. (laughs) Functional medicine comes in and puts out the fire in your kitchen. So that's, that's one way to describe it. The other way to describe it is a lot of times with Western medicine, we end up playing whack-a-mole with symptoms. Like we put Mm. the steroid cream on the eczema and we take the PPI to reduce our, our acid reflux. And we do all of these things. We're just playing whack-a-mole with symptoms when actually every single one of those symptoms kind of think about branches of a tree. 
actually comes from one or two root causes. And if we heal those root causes, we go after rebalancing those root causes, which are typically things like poor gut health or hormone imbalance or adrenal dysfunction or nutritional deficiencies. We go and we heal those root causes, then all of the symptoms just go away. And we don't have to treat the symptoms. We treat the root cause and it vanishes. Oh, I love that analogy. Really, really great way to picture it with uh, the fire and the fire hose and Western medicine just turning it off. Like, cool, we're done. Um, really yeah. beautiful way to put it. And so thank you for explaining that. I want to dive into a little bit because I think this is a super huge, huge hot topic right now. But when we talk about like people who are um, not not necessarily have to be executives, but leaders and executives, right? Why is it so hard right now to be able to care for oneself, to put well-being at the forefront? Um, you know, in this current day and age where there's the silent quitting, it's more and more popular. And, you know, we've had the ex extremities of COVID and this major shift on a planetary scale what's happening with corporate right now and how all of these major companies are releasing so much because they have to restructure themselves due to the pains and the financials and all to that. So let's talk a little bit about that, about leaders and executives and putting themselves first, because if they can't lead themselves, how on earth are they going to be able to lead others? So certainly wouldn't want this to become an epidemic. How do we stop it? Yeah. So with the executives that I work with, I see two things as kind of the root cause. All <laughs> functional medicine eyes that the root cause of what happens. I think those two things are one, just hustle culture. We live, especially in the, in the mm. United States, in a world where busy equals productive. It doesn't matter what you're doing or if you're actually moving the needle in anything, but if you are busy and overwhelmed and stressed, you're productive. And I think that's a huge piece that busy equals productive. Um, that hustle culture is so prevalent. And I think the second thing is we have gotten our identity, especially as you know executives or business owners, we've gotten our identity so intertwined and so wrapped up in our business and in what we do that we don't mm. know who we are outside of that. And it's why I love the way you started this conversation, which is like, who are you? We so often say, hi, I'm, you know, I'm introducing myself like, hi, April, nice to meet you. What do you do? And I'm, I'm, in that question, linking what you do for work to who you are. And that is so right. pervasive in our culture. And we've gotten that so mixed up that people have completely lost their other identities. Things like, well, I'm also a wife or I'm a husband or I'm a mom or I'm a sister or I'm an outdoor adventurer or I'm a dog lover. All these other things that make us who we are. We've mm. minimized those and we've maximized work. Um, and then, you know, we see, COVID happen and people pull out of the office and look around and go, oh, I have a whole family and a whole life and gosh, travel's really fun. And man, you know, I can actually work 14 hours instead of 60 hours and I get the same amount done. Interesting. And so now we see this massive kind of the mass exodus or the mass resignation of people leaving mm. corporate work and going, there's a better way to do this. And so I think those are kind of the two underlying causes. Our hustle culture is so prevalent and our identity is so tied to our work that we don't know who we are unless we're working all the time. And with those two things, we don't have time to take care of ourselves. We don't even know what taking care of ourselves looks like. So 
those all make perfect sense. <laughs> and um, yeah, we, we, we are ingrained to, to keep going more is better, you know, to, to become these machines that we're actually really not. And, you know, and when we learn that, uh, you know, having multiple thoughts, multitasking is actually not a, a, a thing. <laughs> Literally but yet we, we, you actually can't. Yeah. No, you can't. And, and they've proven that, but yet we, we do, we, we push and we push and we push to strive to get to, you know, these levels. Uh, and, and then, yeah, wanting to identify ourselves with that. And, you know, I, I really went through an identity crisis when I shifted from, you know, law enforcement into something else, you know, and then mm -hmm. going and being in the entrepreneurial world and then an identity crisis, you know, when I didn't have my kids with me all the time, like they were my life every single day. And then, so it's like these extreme and then you truly do identify. I identified myself as a police officer. I identified myself as a mother and I'm still a mom, but you know, it's just these drastic changes, even moving. And there's a sense mm -hmm. of, um, you know, grief that we have within that. It's a, it's a grieving process of something that was the normal and it is now different. And it's kind of like this lost past. And yep. so then you come into this identity crisis of, well, who am I? And, yeah. you know, coming to a realization of, well, actually, because change is constant, I truly can change my beliefs on who I am and how I show up. So therefore, my identity is always changing. So who do I want to be? Mm hmm. Yeah. Who do you want to be? And then who is your, like, what is your core identity? What is, what makes April, April? That's true on Tuesday. That's true on Saturday. That's true <laughs> as a police officer. That's true as a business owner. Like what is that core piece that makes you, you? Um, I like to think of Shrek, the onion, like ogres are like onions. I think that's <laughs> a human thing, you know, like we have these layers and we go out, but this is still me. And this is also me. And we like, we put all these layers on and I can take layers off, but that core piece of who you are, I have a business client right now who I'm working with, who's a brilliant, she has a brilliant idea. It's going to be world changing. But one of the questions that she's asking, um, her clients is when was the last time you had fun just to have fun? And she has, you know, executive women business owners who are like, well, like 10 years ago, I went on a cruise. <laughs> like, oh wow. no. Like yeah. the last time you could have fun should be this week. If it's not this week, we have yeah. a serious problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so what, what are some of the things that you are, you guys are coming up with to help alleviate that? Is it, you know, I really identifying what are those things that I'm truly passionate about? What is fun to me? Defining that? What are the things? Yeah. So what I do with both types of clients, so I have, you know, functional medicine clients and then I have high-end executive entrepreneur clients. I work with both. And across both of those boards, I ask all of those clients one main thing. And I say, what are your baselines in these five categories? What does nourished nutrition look like? What does nourished movement look like? What does nourished, what is having a nourished mind look like? What is having a nourished spirit look like? Mm -hmm. Um, 
And if, if we can hit those, if we can develop baselines, and I don't mean big reaching, like nourished movement does not need to be a CrossFit workout five days a week. Nourished movement means I have a body and my body's designed to move. So nourished movement might look like moving for 20 minutes. I mean, we sit at these desks like yeah. all day, every day. So, so those baselines are and baselines. And then we commute. So exactly. <laughs> so nourished, yep. Nourished nutrition, nourished movement. I forgot one nourished nutrition, nourished movement, nourished mind, nourished spirit, nourished relationships. And we mm. define those baselines and then those baselines become non-negotiables. If, if you have a meeting and it's going to push you so late into the night that you're not going to be able to, to eat whatever your baseline nourished nutrition is, then that meeting has to wait. Like those people will survive. They can do it some other time. Um, if you are a non-negotiables, that's a really, really excellent way of putting it. Yeah. Non-negotiables. Like these things become things that everything else has to revolve around. And that's mm -hmm. how we start to piece together our identity because nourished mind and nourished spirit looks like, you know, I love reading fiction and um, I'm involved in my church and I love like having coffee with friends. And so these aren't, these are no longer peripheral things that I do if I, if, and when I have time, these are now the core things that I do for me. Nourished spirit looks like I get on my mountain bike at minimum once a week. Like that's my, my minimum, my, my yeah. baseline, unless it's Colorado and it snows nuclearly and then the trails are muddy, but, um, yeah, non-negotiables. We have to define our non-negotiables and they cannot be work-related. Ah, uh, awesome. I love that. They cannot be work-related because even though, I mean, our jobs are what we're doing the majority of the time. What mm -hmm. and that's that's true and that's why it's so easy to fall into that identity trap of it yeah. and yeah. so I really like that you're you're focusing on that outside of it you know where's our creative selves outside of that piece so we're gonna fall into our last commercial and when we come back we're gonna talk about you know how our gut health is related to our mental health when we come back stay tuned. <laughs> With key ingredients supported by over 80 clinical trials, the exclusive formulation of the Bella Grace Collagen Elixir is changing lives everywhere. Ingesting collagen peptides alone is not very helpful. This is where most collagen products fall short and where Bella Grace changes everything. Unlike other collagen products, the Bella Grace Collagen Elixir controls the gene switches which activate collagen creation and disables the enzymes that break down the matrix. Bella Grace Collagen Elixir contains Verisol, the world's best and most clinically studied form of collagen. These elite collagen peptides influence the skin's collagen metabolism directly from the inside. Nature's most powerful antioxidant. 6,000 times more potent than vitamin C, Astereal Astaxanthin prevents the activation of gene switches that drive inflammation and activates the gene switch responsible for cellular repair and longevity, forming bridges across cell membranes, protecting them from free radical attack. 
Amazonian cat's claw suppresses the enzymes that degrade collagen and our skin matrix caused by oxidants and inflammation. It simply turns the switch off. The world's most studied collagen, plus activating the genes that make collagen, plus switching off the genes that break down collagen, has resulted in something the world has never experienced. The Bella Grace Collagen Elixir. Start your 30-day Bella Grace Challenge today. So you can learn more about Bella Grace in the description below. And this is really an exciting topic. So let's finish off this program this way. How is our gut health related to our mental health? Because we've heard so many times that our gut is actually our first brain. Mm -hmm. um, they're directly related is the answer. So we're learning so much now about gut health and microbiome and how all these things relate. We have a quote from Hippocrates 2,500 years ago that says all illness starts in the gut. And our research is now starting to show that that's true and not just physical illness, but mental illness, all illness starts in the gut. So we have direct links now that show, um, things like autism and, uh, you know, multiple personality disorder, depression, anxiety are directly linked to one, the microbiome in someone's gut and two, their gut lining integrity. And so wow. we have, we see clients who come who are dealing with like massive anxiety and depression. And when we can heal their gut, we can often get their symptoms down enough that counseling is act actually effective. Um, mm. And vice versa. When we have oh, I got to stop you there. I, I got to yeah. stop you there because that's a really good point you just made. You, you have to start with healing the gut first so you can think clearly enough to get counseling, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I don't think anybody really thinks about that. So I just had to stop you there. You may continue. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. It's, I mean, it's, it's so directly linked and so connected and it's a both and, you know, depression and anxiety also comes from childhood trauma and sexual abuse and all of these things that are very, you know, mentally linked. But then we also know that sexual abuse, childhood trauma, all of those things, stress, if we boil it down, all of those things cause stress, cortisol, the stress hormone changes the makeup of our microbiome in our large intestine. And so it goes yeah. both ways. When we heal our gut, our, our mental health starts to improve. When we work on our mental health, our gut starts to improve. Um, we now know that 95% of our serotonin is actually created in our large intestine, in our gut. So when we're talking about depression specifically, you know, the Western medicine treatment for that is SSRIs, which I am a huge fan of. It saved my life. So I'm not against antidepressant medication, but what SSRIs do, they're selective serotonin or selective serotonin and neuropinephrine reuptake inhibitors. And so what that means is that the, the drug that you're taking 
is preventing your body from reabsorbing whatever serotonin and norepinephrine is already free in your body. You just get to reuse it, but it's not actually helping your body create more. And so we know so much now about nutrition and specific foods that can help increase, you know, the amount of tryptophan that is created in your body, which tryptophan is the precursor for melatonin and serotonin. And so we have these direct links and we can look at research studies that show, you know, eating these foods has this effect on mental health. The other thing that we know that is crazy. So in a fetus, as a fetus starts to evolve, obviously it starts with two cells, but then those cells start to differentiate. And the cluster of cells that creates your brain is the same cluster that creates your gut. It creates this cluster creates your brain and your gut. And so we talk about, you know, you hear the gut brain access and the gut is your second brain. And it actually really is. Um, Inflammation is directly related to anxiety and depression as well. So here's your little fun functional medicine fact for the day. Your gut epithelial lining, when I say gut, I'm typically talking large intestine, is one cell thick. What happens is one cell is pretty easy to rip apart. And so when you get perforations or you get holes in that, you start having fecal particles and poop particles and all of these nasty things leaking out into your body, which creates an inflammatory kind of five alarm fire in your body. And what, what does a five alarm fire feel like? Well, it feels like anxiety. And so when we start to get people's gut healed, all of a sudden they go, man, I'm not anxious anymore. I have so many clients who I ask them, we do something called a food mood poop journal when people start working with us. And so often I have people track what they ate and then I want them to tell me their mood and their energy level two hours later. And so many of my clients two hours later either crash or feel super anxious. (laughs) And I'm like, if you feel super anxious two hours after you eat, that is a fantastic indicator that it that anxiety is very likely not coming from your circumstance. It's coming from whatever you ate and the fact that Mm. you have gut and so they're, wow. I mean, they're direct. yeah, isn't that crazy? That's a really great tip too, you know, that it takes a couple hours to allow it to, to process and your body to like know what this is that it just accepted without, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, I love that. Thank you so much for that tip for the audience, you know, just allowing yourself to know how are you showing up after you eat? Mm-hmm. Here's here's a fun story that kind of relates to that. So we had a client who brought her daughter to us. Her daughter was 12 um, and would just have these like crazy rage events. And they'd taken her to counseling and psychotherapy and, you know, like made some headway, but she just had this uncontrollable rage. And so we had her do a food mood poop journal. And the first time we didn't really see anything in it. And so I was like, I want you to do a food mood poop journal again, because I think there's something in this that we're missing. And I said, if it goes in your body, like if you put it in your mouth, I want you to tell me if you're eating gum, put it on the food mood poop journal. If you're drinking a soda, put it on your food mood. If you're drinking water, everything you want. And what she ended up putting on there was every night um, in order to kind of help her daughter, her daughter had some, some special needs kinds of things. Um, so every night she would give her daughter a couple of M&Ms. Um, and that was kind of her oh. reward for getting her chores done and stuff. Yep. Good and we night. were able to link. So she was, this, this daughter was incredibly allergic to red dye 40, which oh, they had a super clean diet. Had like, food dye. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and all of her, you know, emotional reaction rage happened at night. They thought it had to do with bed or something like that. Nope. Had to do with eating red dye 40. So she'd eat red dye 40 and about 20 minutes later would just end up in this complete uncontrollable rage. And I said, would you be willing to switch M&Ms for like raspberries or something? They did that and the rage vanished. Like problem solved from one 
one alteration. And, you know, we work with, with kids who have autism and autism is not curable, but there is a massive range of, of symptoms that we can manage with food. Like if you take a kid who has autism and autism often is linked with poor gut health. If we can get a kid who has autism to get to better gut health, those symptoms drop dramatically every time. It's crazy. Mm. Uh, I got to remember not to <laughs> eat those red M&Ms. Uh, yep. <laughs> no, I, I knew it though. Uh, my mother I somehow knew that, you know, when I was a child, she did not let us have uh, Skittles because, uh-huh. you know, not only were we bouncing off the walls, but, you know, we showed up as these terrifying monsters that she didn't want to deal with. Right. Yep. And so, you know, but she, she always knew, I don't know how long that research has been around, but maybe it's just because oh, she's I a brilliant know. nurse. I don't know, but the red dye <laughs> certainly does have an effect. It's so interesting. And, you know, and, and not that much amounts, you know, it's just like a couple of M&Ms, like what on earth you wouldn't think that that would have that great of an effect. And so it just goes, you know, even in small amounts, it it can truly show up in ways that we don't care for. Yeah. And for this family, she wasn't even thinking about it as a food because it was, it was like a reward thing. Like it wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, she was tracking her breakfast, lunch and dinner and snacks, but the M&Ms didn't show up on our first mood, first food mood poop journal because it didn't even register as food. Like this was a reward. Fun fact about Skittles too, Skittles Skittles and Ritz crackers and a couple others are actually banned in Europe because of titanium dioxide that is a nerve toxin. So that's oh. fun. Yeah. Great. Oh, good to know. <laughs> no more Ritz crackers either. Uh, well, Holly, it's been awesome, awesome to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with the audience? And I want to make sure that they know how to contact you. I have it on the screen now, but for those of you who are listening in on a podcast, it is www.livenourishedcoaching.com. That's L-I-V-E-N-O-U-R-I-S-H-E-D-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G.com. Live Nourished Coaching. Uh, she's obviously incredible. So you're going to want to check out her website and, you know, get in touch. So let me know, Hallie, what else do you want to leave us with today? Oh, man, that is a fantastic question. I think I would leave you with this. All of you listening, you are unique and you are on this planet for a very specific, unique purpose. And there's there's no one like you ever before or ever after you. And you taking care of you is the most powerful, the most important way that you can live out whatever that is. Because if you're whole and healthy, whatever that is will just come out of you. And if you're not whole and healthy, it'll be restricted. So take care of you because there's only one of you and you are so valuable. Oh, that's a really beautiful end note. Thank you so much. And again, I want to thank so much our audience and our listeners and our big fans because this show wouldn't be possible without you. And, you know, you're listening, your views, your subscriptions, your engagements, and letting us know your feedback, your takeaways, your, your brilliant takeaways that you're receiving from these incredible guests such as Holly. And when you contribute and donate in a financial manner, 
it is also so welcomed and we receive it so well. <laughs> so thank you. We put it to good use. We have all these incredible guests. When you donate on the wellnessdrivenlifeshow.com, you'll be left with an email and you can keep that for your records. So I want to make sure, I guess, also know that you can leave comments in the comment section below if you're watching the replay, which many of you will be. We'll get back to you. So thank you again. And Hallie, it's been lovely having you on this platform. We welcome you back, you know, another time. I know that there's going to be so much more all of the, the things that you're creating and all of the new stories and new miracles that you're going to have to share with us. Mm. April, thank you for having me. It's just a delight to be here and what you're doing on the Wellness Driven Life is so important. So thank you for having me and thank you for what you're doing. You're welcome. All right, everyone. Well, goodbye for now. We'll see you tomorrow.